That message is so powerful in that song. I'm sure you may have heard it before. Um, I think it's a message. To me, it's a reminder of how fear in our lives, untamed, unholy fear, can lie to us and bring us into bondage and cause us to do things uh, we would never do unless fear was there. The Holy Spirit, though, he is always whispering God's love to us. But fear, fear always seems to shout. Fear is so easy to pick up on. I mean, fear is all around us. And uh, even our culture is switching to a fear-based culture. If you look at the news, there's always things about fear in it. It could be politically, it could be uh, globally, it could be environmentally, it could be health issues. There is always this message of fear. In fact, uh, Psychology Today said this about fear-based news stories. Have you ever seen fear-based news stories? I'm sure you have. The fear-based news stories prey on the anxieties we all have and then holds us hostage. Being glued to the television, reading the paper, or surfing the Internet increases ratings and market shares, but it also raises the probability of depression. It provide, it, it's, in previous generations uh, and decades, journalists' mission was to report the news as it actually happened with fairness and balance and integrity. However, capitalistic motives associated with journalism have forced much of today's television news to look to the spectacular, the stirring, the controversial issues as these stories, as news stories. It's no longer a race to break the story first, get the facts right. Instead, it's to acquire good ratings in order to get advertisers so that profits soar. Fear-based news programming has two aims. The first is to grab the viewer's attention, uh, and then in the news media, that's called a teaser, right? You've all seen that, the teaser. The second aim is to persuade the viewer that the solution for reducing and identifying the fear will be the news story. So that's the idea, is the teaser. Let's say, for example, a teaser could be coming up next. What's in your drinking water that will kill you? And then you go, what? What? I got What is it? You know, so, so then we run to it. Now, the news outlet continues to promote this because they want you to keep watching. And so they give you the teaser. But you know that fear has been a tactic of the enemy of our soul right from the beginning of creation. He's always used fear. He tempted Adam and Eve with lies that insinuated that God was not fair. He was holding something good from them that, he would, that they needed. And so he tempted them with that. And, you know, it's the fear of the FMO, right? Fear of missing out. You know, that if I don't have this, I could be missing out on something that is good for me. Or another FBC fear is the fear of being controlled, by being controlled or influenced by somebody other than myself. And then after they sin, the fear of being punished by God, the fear of shame, condemnation, caused them to cover up and hide. No longer were they at peace. They were unashamed. They were ashamed. 
No longer were they unashamed, they were ashamed, and they thought they could actually hide from God, so they covered themselves up, and they hid from God when God was walking in the garden and called to them. And they were afraid, the Bible says. So fear has a way of getting into our lives and influencing us more than God. And when that happens, we're living our life based on fear instead of what God has called us to and what, who God is. And so that can happen in, in so many different ways. There's even a fear-based parenting. I don't know if you guys have ever tried fear-based parenting. But there's people that do fear-based parenting. Amy Chow is uh, somebody that wrote the book Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mom. And, since, and Gordon Livingston talks about this. Dr. Gordon Livingston, he, wa- he is a psychologist, and he talks about this. He says, uh, he, he comments on her book, and he says, Since the secret to ap- academic or music, musical success is tenacious practice, 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 there are no sleepovers, there are no play dates, there are no school days, there's no TV, no computer games, nor is the child allowed to get any grade below an A. Child's justification for this regime is that children on their own never want to work, which is why it's crucial to override their preferences. If the child resists this program of rote repetition, it's okay to criticize, to punish, and to shame the child. Child's book defines success totally in terms of individual achievement. Livington says, Livingston says, fear lurks behind perfectionism. Fear is the basis, many times, the driving force of perfectionism. And unless I'm perfect, and unless I achieve this thing, I'm a failure. And so it's a fear-based parenting, and it becomes a fear-based life for someone. There's fear-based perfectionism. There's fear-based performance. There's fear-based religion. Even there's fear-based religion that people are scared to disappoint God. And so they're motivated. They're only motivated to go to church because if I don't go to church, God might give me a bad week. So it's fear-based. There's fear-based relationships where somebody is trying to influence, control somebody through shame, criticism, fear. What are your fears? That's the question. We all have them. At times, they motivate us to think and act a certain way. I've been thinking about my core fears as I was preparing for this message, and um, I know that I have them. The fear of failure, rejection is something that seems to keep on presenting itself in my life. No matter how old I get, no matter how I feel I've matured in the Lord, fear rears its ugly head in my life and tries to intimidate me from moving forward with God and trusting him, stepping out in faith, living in his peace, living in his love, living in his joy. You know, I could have fears of failure, not meeting my ministry goals in life or my life in general that I think I need to achieve and still have not yet reached. Uh, Fear of not being good enough. Fear of preaching a lousy sermon. Fear of so many things that I feel like I should do or should be able to do 
and yet they rob my joy. Fear of uh, not finishing well. So you hear the, the, the song, Fear is a Liar. And do we have that up here? Have the PowerPoint? Is it up here? Oh, okay. It's not back there. Okay, fear is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear he is a liar. He will rob your rest and steal your happiness. Has anybody ever experienced that? I know I have. Been sleepless nights, fearing about something that never happened. And that can happen in our lives. But think about when the, the Bible was written. And we're going to get into the scripture now. But you think about when the Bible was written. God's people were often threatened with their very lives for their faith in God. And so the, at times they were homeless. At times they were running away from somebody that was trying to kill them because of what they believed or what God had told them to do. And yet over and over again, you see God speaking to them, fear not, I'm with you. Do not be afraid. I'm going to get you through this. And so many times, the people in the Bible said, okay, I'm going to trust you, Lord. And they were going through some horrific things, horrific things. I mean, there were no human rights or civil rights back then in those times. If a king invaded your country, that was it. You became a slave. And yet, God was with them. They walked by faith. They trusted God. And even in the face of fear, they trusted the Lord. And their fears were turned into faith. Is this working? Nope. It's not working. So, I don't know if you can get it going, but if you don't, I'm going to read to you a couple psalms that talk about this. Psalm 27, 1 and 2. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That was a psalm of David. Remember David's life? He had somebody always pursuing him, and yet he had this faith in God. Lord, you're, the, you're my light and my salvation. I don't have to be afraid. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then you read in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The Hebrews... This was written in about 65 A.D. It's when uh, the persecution began in Jerusalem, and, and Jerusalem actually fell. And so all these people are scattered. They've lost their homes. They've lost their jobs. They've lost everything. And yet the word to them from God was, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Isn't that amazing that God brings his word to us right in the midst of a difficult circumstance? And you know what fear will do? Fear will turn that around in our minds and say, see, God doesn't care for you. You see, you can't trust God. 
And that's exactly the message that fear will send you. It'll stop you in your tracks. It'll take your breath away. Fear is a liar. I was talking to a friend this week. And he said that the Lord is challenging him to fully accept his love and care for him. Just like the Bible says so. And he says for all of his life, and I respect this man. He's, he's been a, a pastor for many years. And yet God was calling him to a deeper relationship of trust than he had ever experienced before. And he said, he said Al, I can't believe all my life I've been motivated by fear. Fear of failure, fear of not being good enough. And this has driven my life. And I want love. I want God's love to empower me and to motivate me to love other people. And he says, I have to stop being so afraid. And how does that happen? So what are your fears? It helps to understand them, to know them, and to name them. It really does. It really behooves us to take the time to look at our fears and say, why am I responding like this? Like, if I get angry often or defensive with people, it's probably an underlying fear lurking, lurking behind that feeling that has to do with me being accepted, respected, and loved. And so I'm not feeling it from that person, so I break out in anger. And, but it's really motivated by fear. If you withdraw from people or things that God may want you to interact with, nine times out of ten, fear is operating in your life, possibly the fear of failure, possibly the fear of rejection. See, I don't want to put myself out there because I might fail. I might be embarrassed. Therefore, I'll rather say, no, I'm not ready yet. How many times have we missed the will of God or missed being an instrument of love to somebody because, we, because of fear. Because of fear. It can happen. I know it's happened to me. If you complain a lot, if you blame other people or other things, and you're always pointing at somebody else, that's the reason why I'm not doing well. It's probably fear. You're losing control over a situation. You might feel like things are out of control. It might uh, cause you harm or might cause you um, to be out of control. And really, God's the one that's in control. Don't fear the future. Apostle John, in the first letter to believers, was writing to a struggling fellowship of Christians. They, They were questioning their faith and their trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior over their lives. And so what does John do? He reminds them. He reminds them that he has been with Jesus, that he's seen his glory, his resurrection, and his conclusion is, be afraid. No, it's not. It's not be afraid. It's trust God's love. The conclusion is that God is love. He wants them to understand that God has made himself known to us, and if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at that other person that's really bothering you. Don't look at the decision that's scaring you, 
you, you know, scaring you to death because of what may happen. What if this happens? No, you look to Jesus. And he knows us. The amazing thing is <clears throat> that God knows us and he still loves us. And he knows what we're going through. He even knows what we're afraid of. If God knows what we're afraid of, why does he allow these things to happen? Because he wants us to trust his love and to build our faith. And to say, you know what? I'm trusting in God's character, his promise, his word, and I'm moving forward with that. And that's what 1 John chapter 4, verses 14 to 16 says. And we have seen and testify... That the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. We know. That means, and that word in the Greek means you actually personally experience. It's just not head knowledge, but that you personally understand and know and rely upon the love of God as he has for us. God is love. And you know, John, he doesn't deify love. He doesn't say love is God. No, he says the essential character of God is love, a holy love. For us, that he was willing to give his son to pay for our sins so that we could have, be in relationship, a loving relationship with him that would give us an understanding and a confidence that he is for us, not against us. Tim Keller says this He says, To be loved. But not known is comforting, but superficial. And this is the main point of today's message. That you see, God, he knows you. He knows you so well. He knows your past failures. He knows your weaknesses. And yet he still loves you. To be, to be loved but not known is comforting, but superficial. Now, there's a lot of celebrities that we see. And they might get, you know, a couple million people following them on Twitter. Uh, they are maybe loved by them, but they're not fully known. They may be fans of them, but they don't know that person, really. So a person that is a celebrity is often very insecure because they're always trying to prop themselves up and present something to, uh, to all their fans that is consistent with what they've said before and done before and their music is about or their movies are about. And so they're always living under this pressure of performing and putting on a face or a mask that says the same thing because it's just superficial. Now, to be known and not loved, man, that's our greatest fear. That is... To be known by somebody, really known. You know, the people that really know you are your family. You know, the people that are closer. If you're married here, it's your spouse. It could be your parents. 
Uh, it could be your children. That's a scary thing. That they really know you. But they, if they don't love you, wow, that's the most powerful uh, rejection that there is. It's the most painful. That's why a lot of people, they guard themselves. They don't want to be known. Because if you really knew me, you might reject me. So I'll just have a superficial relationship. We're going to talk about that next week. But, but with God, <laughs> we're looking at this relationship with God. It is he fully knows us and he fully loves us. That's powerful. That's liberating. He says this, to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything else. It liberates us from pretense. It means we don't have to put on a show. We don't have to play this game of trying to prove through our performance or through our, our, the way that we look or the way that we talk that we're good enough for God. We're not. We understand that, and yet he loves us. And it humbles us out of our self-righteousness because it's not about me. It's about God. Do you see how powerful that is to understand that and know that and to experience that? And it fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. Why? Because if God is with me and he's the same God that's in the scripture and in the word of God, then I can trust him. I can take this challenge that's happening in front of me right now, whether it be personal, whether it be um, the fear that has come at me, and I can turn this around and place my faith and my confidence in the living God. He may not deliver me right today or tomorrow, but I'm trusting him through this whole process, that he has my back. He knows and understands and fully loves me, and I can trust him. This is why King David could write such powerful songs, because he understood that God fully knew him and fully loved him. Psalm 139 is one of my favorites. It says, Lord, you've searched me and you know me, You know, when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You know everything that's happening, Lord. You know it all. And you're familiar. You discern my going out and my coming in. And you're familiar with all my ways. You know, at the end of that psalm, David says this prayer. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious or fearful thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, David said, Lord, you already know everything. So keep on searching me and revealing within me when I'm trusting or being influenced by fear rather than by you. And so the Lord wants us to understand that and to live that way. 1 John 4, verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us 
so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus, and there's no fear in love. Now, that's powerful. In this world, we are like Jesus, and we know that there is no fear in love. In the Amplified Bible, it says it like this. In this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. And this confidence has assurance and boldness to face him. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear. And do you know that perfect, complete, and full-grown love doesn't come from you or me. It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And was demonstrated to us on the cross. And is applied in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And even as uh, Pastor Dave was speaking last week about the glory of God and the presence of Jesus Christ in our life today... It is the same thing. His love is in our lives today. So that no one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected. Anyone who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into sufficient understanding of God's love. So if we keep on fearing punishment, if we keep on fearing that God is going to whack us, if we get out of line, you're living a fear-based religion. It's not based on God's love. It's not based on his promises. You may say, well, Al, doesn't the Bible talk about the fear of the Lord? You know, what about that? What about the fear of the Lord? Yeah, Proverbs and Psalm, even Jesus taught people to fear God. But if you remember those Psalms, it says, Fear is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning point of fear and understanding that there is a God who is holy, just, and loving is the beginning point for a relationship. Unless you acknowledge that, there is no further steps to take to develop more and more into this love and the maturing and the love that God has for us. So yes, there is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but it's not the end of it. Because Jesus gave us the full revelation of who he is. And he's come to save us. He's come to work in our lives. So knowing God exists and that he's all-powerful, that's the beginning of a relationship. That we don't make up God in our own mind. I'm not talking about this. This is the God of the Bible. Yeah, he's a God of holiness, judgment, but his mercy triumphs over judgment. And he's powerful, and he loves us. There was a fellow named uh, Gary Burge, Dr. Gary Burge. He's a professor at Wheaton College. And uh, Wheaton College is like the Harvard of Christian colleges. If you go to Wheaton College, if you wanted to go to a Christian college, Wheaton would be like the Harvard of the uh, elite schools, uh, Christian colleges, and, and Wheaton is, uh, is well known. And uh, he was uh, teaching on the book of Galatians and 1 John, and he was talking about God's love 
and his grace. And he was talking about fear-based religion. And so he gave his uh, students a one-page essay on whether their lives had been shaped by the threat of God's punishment and, or, and wrath or whether it had been shaped on God's grace and love. So he said, you write a one-page paper. Tell me if your life has been more shaped and influenced by God's wrath and judgment or has it been influenced by God's grace and love? And you know what? He was devastated by the results. Ninety Over 90% of the class admitted privately that the possibility of God's disfavor and wrath had shaped their Christian outlook since childhood. They had been always motivated by God's wrath or God's punishment. And they had never been motivated by God's love and his grace and the decisions that they made. Wow. So to them, Christianity was just following rules, and we told them it was not. You could hear a pin drop. Because they had never really grasped the idea of God's love. They'd always seen God as somebody to fear. Somebody, no, don't step out of line or you're going to get whacked. And they built their life around that, their whole Christianity around that. They had learned to please God to gain his favor, but they did not believe they had already obtained favor through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. It was a fear-based religion, something Jesus and the early church never taught. And what the Bible doesn't teach. So what are the next steps for you and I to move along in understanding a God who loves us and having a deeper relationship with him? First, acknowledge to the Lord and others if you're living in fear. Identify your fears. And replace their lies with God's love and truth for you. And he knows you fully, loves you completely. Understand that and know that. That God understands you and knows you fully and yet still loves you. I mean, (laughs) that's something to rejoice in. That's something to be honest to God about. Then begin to choose to love God and acknowledge his love and think about his love. You know, sometimes we've got to meditate more than on fear-based news stories. We need to be meditating about who God is and his love for us and his plan for this whole universe and globe. That God is in control even when we're seeing all this chaos going on in the world. That he still has a future for us. That he still has a future for the church. He still has a future for you and for me. And to trust this God who loves us completely. Begin to recognize, uh, uh, begin to recognize when unhealthy fears rears its ugly head. I must have put the wrong one in here. That's, I did the PowerPoint this time, sorry. But I wanted us to recognize when unhealthy fear rears its ugly head in your life and resist its lies. So understand when fear is motivating you and when it's making you respond in anger, defensiveness, blame. Recognize those are the key indicators that behind that action is fear. 
And what do you do with it? You begin to confess that to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to be motivated by my fear. There it is. Number three. Number four, learn what it means to walk with God and others in love, even in a fearful situation or circumstance. You see, don't always avoid. I mean, I'm not telling you to live unsafe life. (laughs) But there's times when God is going to send you to a new job, a new school, a new opportunity, and the idea could be, uh, you know, it's, that's going to put me out of my comfort zone. I don't know if I could do that. A missions trip, a uh, God calling you to teach even a, a Bible study or something like that. You just, uh, no, I, don't know, I don't know if I could do that. That's just too overwhelming for me. It may be, as you pray about it, if God says go, go. If God says do it. Do it. My fear says, no, don't do it. You know you're not going to be good enough. You know you're going to fail. You know. If you hear those voices, that's fear. Fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. And then when we fear, we're not perfected. We're not matured by God's love. Let's be mature in God's love. Let's grow in God's love. I'm not there yet, but I want to be on that path of growing more and more and more in assurance of God's love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you, Father, for your love for us. We ask, Lord, today that you would cause us to walk in that love. Lord, there's so many voices that we hear whether it be what people have told us in our past, what they're telling us presently, that say something contrary to what you say in your word. Lord, you say that you know us, that you love us, that you have a purpose and a plan for our lives, that you prepared in advance things for us to do, which we're to walk in. Lord, I pray that we would never allow fear to motivate us, control us, to lie to us in such a way that we, it keeps us from walking with you. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take your word today and apply it to our lives as situations that we're in today. Lord, that there would be no fear of illness, death, Uh, a new circumstance, a new job that we have to go into. Lord, that there'd be no fear in stepping out with you and trusting you. Lord, thank you for your word to us that that we can rely upon your love, that you are loving and kind, and we can rely upon you. We pray that we would in Jesus' name. Amen.